Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is the 21st of July in the year 2012, and we are in the low hamlet of Plum Village in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall. Today also is the beginning of the Ramadan uh, month of fasting. And uh, we have a brother, a monastic brother in the Up Hamlet. His name is Muhammad uh, Zaimuddin. His Dharma name is uh, Sky of uh, Great Concentration, Cheng Trời Đại Đình. And today he is fasting also because he came from the Muslim tradition. And we would like to support him uh, in this practice. And this is the third week of our summer opening. And this year we celebrate the 30th uh, anniversary of Plum Village. There will be music and dance and performance. And... uh, there will be an exhibition of uh, Thai calligraphy and uh, Dharma tools. We have been practicing together 30 years. And we have been able to set up many sanghas all over the world. Thousands of them. This morning we will start with uh, chanting. This is a practice of uh, compassion. mindfulness of compassion. The chanting is to generate the energy of compassion in order to heal and transform. And everyone is invited to participate in the practice. The monastics will be chanting and we all will practice listening. There is suffering inside of us. And during the time of chanting, we should be able to go home to ourselves in order to get in touch with the suffering inside. We listen to the suffering inside in order to get uh, an understanding of the suffering. Why the suffering is there and how it has come to us, the suffering inside, like fear, anger, despair, and so on. When we listen to our own suffering, we will find out that uh, that suffering carries within itself the suffering of our father, the suffering of our mother, the suffering of our ancestors, and also the suffering of the world, of our nation, of our people. So understanding one's own suffering helps us to understand the suffering of the other person, in front of us, at home. Understanding our own suffering helps us to understand the suffering of our nation, of our society. And according to this practice, uh, understanding suffering always brings about the energy of compassion. And when compassion is born in our heart, we suffer less right away. We become lighter, freer, 
And when we look at the other person, we can see and understand his or her suffering very easily. And we can look at him or her with the eyes of compassion. Looking at that person like that, we don't suffer anymore. Instead, we want to do something or to say something so that that person will suffer less. It means the nectar of compassion is already in our heart, beginning to heal and transform ourselves. And that comes from the very simple fact that you are able to recognize the suffering inside of you and listen, embrace it tenderly. Avalokiteshvara is a bodhisattva, a great bodhisattva, that has the capacity to listen to his own suffering and the suffering of the humankind and other kinds, other species on earth. Quan Yin is his name. Quan Thế Âm is his name. And because he know how to listen to the suffering inside and around, he was able to understand and and generate the energy of compassion that can help heal and transform. And that is why today the monastics will share the name Avalokiteshvara. Avalokiteshvara means listening deeply, looking deeply, in order to get the freedom of, from suffering. When the monastic sent the name Avalokita for the first time, they go back and touch the suffering within themselves. And then they get in touch with the suffering of, of uh, their parents, their, their ancestors. And when they send it for the second time, they become aware of the suffering of the people around them, in front of them, on their left, on their right, and so on. And uh, when they sent the name for the third time, they reached out to the world and uh, recognized the suffering that is going on in many countries on earth. And touching getting in touch with suffering like that always bring about compassion. And compassion where one's in is in our heart. Begin to heal and you don't want to punish anymore. Instead you want to help. People of the world do not know the practice, mindfulness of suffering, mindfulness of compassion. That is why they try always to run away from their own suffering. They feel that uh, if they go home to themselves, they have to encounter the suffering inside that will, that will overwhelm them. And that is why they are afraid of their own suffering. And they try every day to cover up the suffering by the, by the way of consumption. There is a feeling of vacuum, emptiness, loneliness, anxiety, despair, anger, confusion in us. 
it's not pleasant to be in touch with that kind of energy. That is why we try to consume in order to forget it. You go and look for something in a fridge to eat, not because you are hungry, not because you need to eat, but because you want to eat in order to forget the suffering inside. You want to turn on the television, not because the program, the TV program is very interesting, but because you don't want to get in touch with suffering inside. You want the TV to help uh, cover up the suffering in you. You play music. You go to the internet. You read newspaper, novels, books, not, not because uh, of any other reason than just to forget the suffering, to run away the, from the suffering inside. And the market provides you with every kind of uh, items so that you can get out of yourself, get away from yourself, and uh, not, uh, not to have uh, um, to touch the suffering inside. That is the way we behave in our modern society running away from ourselves. But the teaching of the Buddha advises us to do the opposite. We have to go home to ourselves and take care of the suffering and try to heal and to transform it. And we can do that without fear because uh, if we know how to sit mindfully and to breathe in and out mindfully or to walk mindfully, and then we can generate the energy of mindfulness and concentration. And that energy will help us strong enough in order to go home and recognize the suffering, the pain inside, and learn how to embrace our pain, our sorrow with tenderness. And if uh, you can do that for a few minutes, uh, you will get a kind of... Uh, Relief, soulagement, right away. And that is why while listening to the chanting, we should uh, be there in the here and the now and stop our thinking. Just focusing our attention on our in-breath and our breath and allow the sound of the chanting and the energy of the Sangha to penetrate into our body. <clears throat> Stopping the thinking is a very important practice because most of our thinking <clears throat> is not productive. And they bring us away, they pull us out of the present moment. <clears throat> we think about the past, we think about the future, we think about our projects, yeah, we get caught in our sorrow, our fear, our anger. <clears throat> that is why the thinking can pull us away from the here and the now. That is why it's very important to stop the thinking and begin to feel. You feel that you are here. You focus your attention on your in-breath and your out-breath. And you enjoy breathing in, breathing out. And you allow your body to relax. You can sit beautifully and relaxingly like a Buddha, like this young man.
is smiling. <coughs> and allow our body to relax. This is uh, one of the exercises prescribed by, by the Buddha. Breathing in, I am aware of my whole body. Breathing out, I relax my body. I release the tension in my body. Yes, there is a tension in our body. We have allowed the tension to be accumulated in our body for a long time. And that is why we get so many kinds of sickness and disease just because of the tension in our body. So releasing the tension, we feel lighter, more peaceful. And we can reduce the amount of pain in our body, even chronic pain, because pain is in function of uh, tension. So while sitting and listening, <coughs> we follow our in-breath and out-breath, release the tension every time we breathe out, and allow the collective energy of mindfulness and of peace and of compassion generated by the chanting to penetrate into our body. If you allow the collective uh, energy of the chanting to penetrate into your body, and then you can release your tension very easily. And in a few minutes, you feel lighter, more at ease, peaceful. This is uh, very true for all of us. So just sit down. Allow yourself to be relaxed and receive the collective energy generated by the chanting and by the listening. Remember, when the monastic chanted, sent Namo Valo Kiteshvaraya, homage to the Bodhisattva of deep listening, we should go back to ourselves and recognize the suffering inside. And when they send for the second time, they should be aware that everyone around us has his or her own suffering. And we want them to be happy to release that kind of uh, suffering. <coughs> and when they send for the third time, you have to be aware of the suffering going on in the world right in this moment. And that will touch off compassion and help us to heal and transform. The healing can take place right here and right now with the practice of chanting and uh, listening. If you have uh, some pain and sorrow and fear and despair in your heart, it's time to open your heart and allow the collective uh, energy of chanting of the chanting to penetrate and help you embrace tenderly the block of fear and anger and despair in your heart. Dear Sangha, dear brothers and sisters in the Dharma, here is my pain, here is my sorrow, please help uh, embrace it for me. And if you allow the Sangha to hold you, to hold your suffering, and then you feel much better after a few minutes of listening. Open your heart. Go like a river. Allow the river to embrace you 
you are no longer a drop of water, you become the river. It's much easier. If you sit there and open your heart and allow the collective energy of the Sangha to penetrate into your heart and help hold your suffering, you will suffer less in just a few minutes. And if we have someone at home who is sick, who suffers deeply, who might be in the hospital, you might like to send this wholesome energy to him or to her at home just by visualizing him, calling him, think of him, and call him or her silently by the name. And then this energy will be channeled to him or to her right away this morning. And at home or in the hospital, they will feel better. So this is a practice called mindfulness of compassion, mindfulness of listening to the suffering inside and in the world. And this... uh, this uh, practice uh, is very effective if we know how to be there, body and mind united, stop our thinking and allow our body to release the tension. Thank you.
guess I, uh, um, the silence that we produce with the practice is a very, very healing. This is not uh, the kind of uh, silence that oppresses us. It's called a noble silence. When everyone uh, knows how to relax the body and pay, pay attention to the in-breath and out-breath, we enjoy breathing in, we enjoy breathing out. If you feel alive, you can touch the joy of being alive. We can get in touch with the wonders of life inside of us and around us, refreshing and healing. And that is why every breath can be healing, can be nourishing. And if we breathe like that together, we generate a very powerful collective energy of mindfulness, of peace, of healing. And everyone in the whole will profit. So, not only we practice for ourselves, we practice for our brothers and sisters in the Dharma. And we can contribute to the, to the quality of uh, the retreat, quality of the practice. In Plum Village, uh, monastics and lay practitioners, we learn to walk mindfully, Every step can bring freedom, joy, contentment. Every step can help us touch the wonders of life. Every time we hear the bell, we stop thinking, talking, doing things. We just enjoy our in-breath and our breath. And even when we cook our breakfast, we do it mindfully. And every moment of breakfast making can be a moment of joy and freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the sorrow and the regret concerning the past. Freedom from the fear, the anxiety concerning the future. Freedom from our uh, projects, from our anger. And uh, freedom is the foundation of peace and happiness. So when you breathe in mindfully, your in-breath becomes the only object of your mind. And if you are truly focused on your in-breath and enjoy breathing in, you become a free person, free from the past, from the future, and from everything. Freedom is possible with one in-breath. And when you practice a walking meditation, you breathe in and you make one step and then another step. You arrive with every step in the here and the now and touch the wonders of life. And walking like that, you are free from the regret and the sorrow concerning the past and uncertainty and the fear concerning the future.
you walk as a free person you walk like a buddha you walk like as a, like a prince a princess like a lion majestically with every step and this is possible and you are being supported by your brothers and sisters in the dharma who try to walk the same way and together we produce that kind of uh, collective energy that can be very healing and what people profit from coming to Plum Village is that kind of collective energy generated by the practicing Sangha. And we should allow ourselves to be embraced and carried, transported by that energy of uh, mindfulness and compassion, and we can get the healing, the transformation. And breathing, breathing in. Mindfully is not hard labor. We breathe in all day. So it's not, uh, we don't need to make an effort to breathe in. We just allow ourselves to breathe in naturally. The only thing we add is our mind. We become aware of uh, the in-breath. And we become aware of our breath. And uh, it becomes a pleasure to breathe in and to breathe out. There are many reasons why we can enjoy our in-breath. Breathing in mindfully, you might find out very quickly that you are still alive. Because someone who is already dead can no longer breathe in. Since uh, you are breathing in, you know that you are alive. You touch the miracle, a miracle, the miracle of being alive. That is the greatest of all miracles. So breathing in is a miracle. And if you breathe mindfully, you touch the miracle of being alive. I'm there, alive. And Mother Earth is with me, inside of me and around me. And that is the insight that comes from mindfulness and concentration. Mindfulness, concentration and insight are the three kinds of energies that we generate with the practice. And they have the power to heal, to nourish and to transform. So I breathe in and I enjoy breathing in. And we feel the pleasure of breathing in. And if you feel breathing in is pleasant, you enjoy breathing in, your practice is good. Your practice is correct. And if you suffer breathing in, that's not good. And breathing in, I'm aware that I am alive. You touch the miracle of being alive. And breathing out, you may celebrate the fact that you are alive. Breathing out, I smile to life in me and around me. And joy and peace and happiness can come right away just because you breathe in and out mindfully. 
and we can do that at any time and anywhere. Peace and happiness and joy are always possible with the practice. When we walk mindfully, mindful walking is a very pleasant uh, practice in Plum Village. You allow your mind to rest. You don't need to use your mind. You don't need to think. You don't think even thinking of walking. You just enjoy your body and enjoy every step you make. Every step brings you home to the here and the now. When you breathe in, you may like to make one step. And you focus your attention on the contact between your foot and the ground. And you pay attention, your attention, you put your attention here on the sole of your foot. We should not stay here. We go down here. And I touch the earth with my foot mindfully, as if I kiss the earth with my foot. This is very healing for us and for Mother Earth. We have uh, done a lot of damage to Mother Earth. Now it's time to heal both of us, we and Mother Earth. And breathing in, you become aware of the contact between your foot and the ground. That is the mudra of uh, touching the earth. Bumi Sparsha. Bumi means the earth. Sparsha means touching. You touch the earth to heal yourself and to help heal the earth. And that is the the practice of uh, mindful walking. Every step should be healing and nourishing for you and for Mother Earth. When you breathe in, you may make one or two steps. Mindful of the contact, and you can say, I have arrived. I have arrived. It means I have arrived in the here and the now, where life is available. Because the past is no longer there, and the future is not yet there. There's only one moment when life is available, that is the present moment. If you go back to the present moment, you can encounter true life. And that is why the Buddha advised us to learn how to live happily in the present moment and not to run to the future seeking for happiness. Because in the present moment, conditions of happiness are already more than enough. 
And with mindfulness, we can recognize these conditions of happiness that are available in the here and the now. Every in-breath brings you home to the here and the now, where life is available, where the wonders of life are wonderful, so that you can get in touch and create joy and happiness right away. Every step you make brings you home to the here and the now. There is a country called the country of the present moment. And that country is available. And every breath, every step should bring us to our true home, the country of the present moment, where life is real and true. So when I say, suddenly, I have arrived, I go home to the here and the now. Arriving in the here and the now, that is our practice. And we should arrive with every step, with every breath. And we don't want to live, we want to stay in the country of the present moment. That is uh, the kingdom of God. That is the pure land of the Buddha. The kingdom is now or never. That's what I found. The, the pure land of the Buddha is now or never. Le royaume de Dieu, c'est maintenant ou jamais. And the kingdom of God, le royaume de Dieu, is not a, an idea, abstract idea. It is real. It is available in the here and the now. Look at this flower. To me, this, this, this flower belongs to the kingdom of God, to the pure land of the Buddha. If she does not belong to the kingdom of God, to what you think that she should belong to. So if you get in touch with the flower deeply, with mindfulness and concentration, you get in touch with the kingdom of God, available in the here and now. The kingdom of God is in the flower. You don't have to die in order to go to the kingdom of God. In fact, you have to be very alive in order to touch the kingdom of God. And how to be alive? Just breathe in mindfully. And you release the past, you release the future, you release your worries, your fear. You are free. And if you are free, you can make one step and penetrate into the kingdom of God right away. So this practice is a practice of being in the kingdom of God 24 hours a day. And with the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, mindful uh, cleaning, mindful cooking, and so on. Mindful driving. Even when you make a telephone call, you can still in the kingdom of God. <coughs> because in Plumbridge, <coughs> we have a practice called telephone meditation. <coughs> so
So when I say I have arrived, I mean I I have arrived in the here and the now, where the kingdom of God is, where true life is, where the wonders of life are available. We have to arrive. I have arrived. I have arrived. Breathing in, you might make one step or two steps or three steps. And each step helps you to arrive in the here and the now. And when you breathe out, you say, I'm home. I am already home. My home is not in the future. My home is right here and right now, where life is available. The country of the present moment is my home. I don't want to be away from from that home. It's my sweet home. My true home is in the here and the now. That is why every time I hear the sound of the bell, we stop our thinking, our talking. We follow our in-breath in order to go home to the here and the now. And you can practice breathing in. I listen. I listen to And when you breathe out, you say, this wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. And that is how we practice with the sound of the bell. And if 1,000 people pause and breathe and go home to the here and the now, they generate a very powerful energy of silence, of mindfulness, of peace and joy that can be nourishing and healing for everyone. We practice as a sangha, not just as individuals. I have arrived. I'm home. If we are pregnant with a baby, if we carry a baby within us, and then the baby in us also profit from the energy of peace and mindfulness and joy. And that is uh, one of the ways to nourish our baby inside of us with uh, this wholesome kind of food, peace, mindfulness, compassion. That's true love. I have arrived is not a statement, is not a proclamation. That is a practice, a realization. So while making a step, you have to try to arrive truly in the here and the now. Sometimes it needs time in order to arrive. And uh, slow walking may help. And you do slow walking only when you are alone. If you do that uh, during uh, walking with the Sangha, you create a situation of uh, traffic jam. 
So alone, if you have five or ten minutes, you may like to practice uh, slow walking meditation. You choose a distance of five meters or ten meters. A tree, another tree. And you begin to breathe in and make one step. Just one step. And you say, I have arrived. And try to arrive in the here and the now. That is a challenge. Is it possible for you to arrive in the here and the now with one in-breath? Many of us can do. It takes only two seconds or three seconds or four. And there are those of us who can arrive to 100% in the here and the now, making one step. It's very powerful. Maybe you have arrived only 60%. You have not arrived fully, and you know it. You don't need a Buddha to tell you whether you have arrived fully or not. You, you know. So, I have arrived. And if you have not arrived to 100%, don't make another step. Stay there. And breathe until you arrive 100%. Challenge yourself. This is meditation. Meditation, first of all, is stopping. Samatha means to stop. Stop running. Because we have the habit of running. We have run all our life. And even in our dream, we continue to run. There's a strong habit of running, running to look for something, maybe happiness, maybe love. So you have to learn how to to stop. That's samatha. And breathing in, or making a step, we realize stopping. We arrive in the here and the now. We arrive in the pure land of the Buddha. In, we arrive uh, in the kingdom of God just by one step. This is possible. The practice is simple but can be very deep. And if you know how to make a step like that, the kingdom of God is available to you right here and right now. And you will not regret later that you have spent all of your life just running around, looking for something. I have arrived. Means I have arrived in the here and the now. And if you feel that you have arrived truly in the here and the now, you just smile, a smile of victory, and make another step. I am home. My home is in the here and the now. It's possible for me to be happy in the present moment, here and now. I don't have to run anymore. I have run all my life. I am home. My home is the kingdom of God, the pure land of the Buddha, this beautiful planet. (coughs) 
the most beautiful planet in the whole of uh, this uh, solar system. They don't want to run away from it. The Zen master Linji Lamte of the uh, 7th, 8th century, he said the miracle is not to walk on thin air or on water, but the miracle is to walk on earth. To be making steps and to know that you are alive and making steps on this beautiful planet is already a miracle. And we can perform that miracle anytime you want. You have the power, magical power of uh, performing a miracle just by making a step. Mindfulness helps you to go home to the here and the now and enjoy the miracle of walking on earth. In the beginning, my book, uh, The Miracle of Mindfulness, uh, in its uh, French version, is Le miracle, c'est de marcher sur terre. The miracle is to walk on earth. And if together we work like that, we make the kingdom of God available in the here and the now for us, for our children. And they feel it. They, they can feel it. There is an energy of peace and mindfulness and joy in us. And the children, they feel it. And they enjoy more. So I have arrived. I am home. And later on, you may, you may say, I enter here. In the now, which is the same thing. I have arrived. I am home. Later on, in the here, and in the now. And you touch the here and the now with every step. The here and the now are not, are not only words. They mean sunshine. They mean uh, the vegetation. They mean the songs of the birds. They mean the fresh air, the wonders of life. So uh, uh, the here and the now is the address. Uh, the point of arrival, the address of the kingdom of God, of true life. You are truly alive only when you, are, when you can establish yourself in the here and the now. One, my, one uh, mindful in, uh, in breath help bring your mind home to your body. Because in our daily life, very often our body is there, but uh, our mind is elsewhere, in the past or in the future. So breathing in mindfully, in two or three seconds, you bring your mind home to your body. 
and when mind and body are together, you are established in the here and the now, in your true home. And you can get in touch, and you, you feel you are alive. You can get the nourishment and healing that you need. And this is possible with mindful breathing, mindful walking. Every step is freedom. Every step is nourishment. Every step is healing. Every step is joy. And you should learn how to walk like that. And from the parking lot to our office, you can always walk like that and enjoy the kingdom of God. This is a portable kingdom. Wherever you go, the kingdom is with you. And it's not just talking. This is a practice. From your tent, from your room, going to the meditation hall, stay always in the kingdom. Stay always in the pure land of the Buddha. And touching life, touching uh, the kingdom with every step. And this is the practice here. And we rely on the collective energy of the Sangha to do that. It becomes easier if we allow ourselves to be embraced and transported by the collective energy of the Sangha. When I see a practitioner work like that, I feel very thankful. I feel very happy. She is uh, helping, generating the energy of mindfulness in the here uh, and compassion and joy by bringing herself into the here and the now. And if every one of us walk like that, breathe like that, we can create, uh, restore the kingdom for us to heal and to nourish. And that kind of energy, mindfulness, joy, concentration, peace, we we have to generate by our practice because they are not available in the market. You cannot say, I want to buy a kilogram of uh, peace, uh, of mindfulness. No, we have to generate by ourselves. And with our body, with our... uh, Breathing with our feet, with our mind, with our practice, we can generate that energy to heal, to nourish ourselves and the world. Many of us think that happiness would not be possible without some more money, or more fame, more power. And many people are running after power fame, and wealth, and sex. And many who run after these objects of craving, they suffer very deeply. And there are those who who kill themselves because uh, that kind of running after these objects of craving may destroy the body and mind. In this practice, we see that mindfulness, concentration, and insight are the sources of happiness and joy. And everyone is capable to generate the energy of mindfulness 
by breathing, by walking. When I drink my tea, I choose to drink it in mindfulness. Breathing in, I bring my mind home to my body, and I'm, I'm here, in the here and the now. I'm real. And if I'm real, I'm true, I'm there, something else is also there, life. And the tea represents life. So I am real, and the tea is real. So my encounter, the encounter between me and the tea is true life. There's no thinking, just the experience of drinking tea. And that is called mindfulness of drinking. Mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. Mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of uh, walking, mindfulness of drinking, mindfulness of compassion. When we touch suffering, it's called mindfulness of suffering. And listening to suffering, mindfulness of listening. And touching suffering, we come to understand the roots, the nature of our suffering, and compassion arises. Mindfulness of compassion. So mindfulness always is always mindfulness of something. When we listen to the bell mindfully and allow the bell to penetrate into our body and mind, that is mindfulness of listening. While listening to the bell, we invite all the cells in our body to join us to listen, deep listening. We do not listen just with our ears. We invite our mind and every cell in our body to join in to listen. I listen. We listen. This is a, a community of cells. We listen. This wonderful sound brings us back to our true home. And the peace, the joy, will penetrate into every cell of our body. Healing is possible with uh, deep listening. Mindfulness is the energy that allows us to be there in the here and the now. Mindfulness allows us to know what is happening in the present moment, in our body, in our feelings, in our perception, in our mind, and around us. And mindfulness brings about concentration. And with mindfulness and concentration, we can obtain insight that can help uh, us enjoy and that can help us uh, transform the suffering in ourselves and in the world. So happiness, true happiness, is uh, possible with the practice of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. Mindfulness is a source of happiness. And that is uh, the right view that we should obtain. Many of us believe that fame and power and wealth and sensual pleasure 
is happiness. But many of us prove that uh, it's not the case. Happiness depends on our way of seeing things. If you see the world in this way, we suffer very much. But if we have another way of looking at the world, we don't suffer anymore. So happiness depends on our mind, on our way of seeing things. We have to remove uh, delusion, forgetfulness, anger, fear, in order to see things as they truly are. And happiness and non-fear will be possible. In the Anguttara Nikaya, the Buddha said something like this. Dear friends, he was addressing the monks. Dear friends, there is one thing, there is one thing, that if left uncultivated, untrained, will bring a lot of suffering. There is one thing, if uh, well cultivated, can bring a lot of happiness. What is that one thing? Your mind. If you left your mind untrained, uncultivated, it will bring you a lot of suffering. And if you know how to train your mind, to cultivate your mind, can bring a lot of happiness and joy to you and to other p- p- person. In fact, the, 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 the word practice in English is uh, translated from bhavana, bhavana, which means um, culture, cultivating. Our mind is like a field and uh, there are good seeds in it. And if we know how to cultivate our mind, joy and peace and happiness will bloom. But if we don't know how to cultivate our mind, uh, it will bring about uh, a lot of suffering. So the word practice in Sanskrit, in Pali, bhavana means cultivating. Cultivating the soil of the mind, cultivating happiness and joy. And every one of us should have uh, a practice. Because that practice helps us to handle suffering and to create happiness. Every one of us should have a spiritual dimension in our daily life. With that, without that spiritual dimension, we cannot handle the difficulties, the obstacles on the way, on our way. And that, that, that spiritual dimension in our life is our practice. <coughs> we know how to breathe. We know how to walk. We know how to smile, how to relax our body. We know how to handle a feeling of pain. We know how to generate a feeling of joy and happiness. That is our practice. 
we know how to listen, how to talk, in order to restore communication with the other person and bring about reconciliation. That is our practice. And we should learn from the Buddha, from the Sangha. And if our practice is solid, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We can use our practice in in order to overcome difficulties in our daily life. That is what we call um, our our Dharma body. Everyone has a physical body, but everyone needs a Dharma body, a practice. The Dharma is uh, the teaching, the practice. The Buddha has his uh, physical body, but the Buddha has also his uh, Dharma body. Without a Dharma body, a Buddha cannot be a Buddha. And while the Buddha walk, or sit, or look, his Dharma body manifests, and you can see the way a Buddha walk, the way a Buddha sit, radiate peace and compassion and joy. And walking a real Buddha, you can see his Dharma body. He has a physical body, but his Dharma body makes him a Buddha. And we who are friends of the Buddha, students of the Buddha, we should have our Dharma body. And if our Dharma body is weak, we cannot uh, overcome difficulties in our daily life. We don't know how to handle a painful feeling. We lose our hope. That is why we have to nourish our Dharma body so that we grow into a robust, robust um, kind of body. And then anywhere we go, we have our Dharma body. We are no longer afraid. At the time of Buddha, there was a monk whose name is uh, Vakali. He came to the Buddha just because of the physical beauty of the Buddha. I don't know whether he was a gay person or not. But what, uh, what is clear that he, he always tried to sit there and contemplate uh, the physical of the, of, of the Buddha. One time he was allowed to be the attendant of uh, the Buddha. But the Buddha felt that there is an attachment. So the Buddha did not allow him to to be an attendant anymore, and he was very uh, unhappy. He attempted to make a suicide. So you see, that's not the kind of true love. So Buddha saved him, helped him, and he uh, he transformed. The day he was dying, the Buddha went to see him and help him to die uh, peacefully. And he was so glad to see the Buddha coming to see him. The Buddha said, My dear friend, 
How do you feel? A lot of pain in your body or not? My dear friend, do you regret anything at this moment? And Vakali said, no, uh, teacher, dear teacher, I don't regret anything except one. I will have no more uh, occasion to sit and contemplate you. The Buddha said, come on, Vakali, my physical body will disintegrate one day. It will not last. It will not last. Your body is disintegrating, so we should not be attached to our body. You have received the teaching. You have trained as a monk, and my Dharma body is in you. That is more important. So the first time uh, the, the, the expression Dharma body was used in, is in that occasion. So not only the Buddha has his Dharma body that make him a good uh, human being, a good teacher, but every one of us should have a Dharma body. It means a practice that should be stable, strong enough to help us uh, in our daily life overcoming difficulties and suffering. And every one of us has a Buddha body also. Buddha Kaya. We think that we are a mortal. Only the Buddha um, is uh, immortal. But that is wrong. The Lotus Sutra instructs us and tells us that everyone can be a Buddha. And there is a baby Buddha, baby Buddha in every one of us. And if we have a good practice, we allow the Buddha, the baby Buddha in us to grow. And our happiness increases with the growth of the Buddha inside. So not only the Buddha has a Buddha body, But we do have a Buddha body also. There is a seat of mindfulness, the seat of concentration and insight. There is a seat of understanding and compassion in us. That is the Buddha. And practicing means to water these seeds so that they can grow and they can manifest into the energy of peace, understanding, compassion. And that is to make the Buddha, baby Buddha in us, to grow. And our happiness, our happiness increases in function of, of the growth of the Buddha. So we don't have to look for the Buddha outside of us, in uh, the Pure Land or in Tushita Heaven. The safest place to look for a Buddha is within. Breathe in and smile to the Buddha in yourself. He's there. She is there. And each breath like that helps the Buddha in you to grow. Every one of us has a physical body, a Buddha body, a Dharma body. And there is another body, the Sangha body, Sangha Kaya. 
it's possible to practice alone as individuals. But you might lose your practice after a few months because you don't have a Sangha to guide you, to protect you, to, to support you in the practice. And that is why a good practitioner always try to build a Sangha in his town, her village. Because the, the Sangha can generate a collective energy, can be the place of refuge for many people. And even a Buddha needs a Sangha. After enlightenment, the first thing the Buddha thought of is to go and find his co-practitioners and form the initial, the first Sangha of six people, five uh, people who have practiced with the Buddha and himself. So the original Sangha was made of six people. And now the Buddha Sangha is everywhere. And you are a cell. Each of you is a cell, are a cell in the body of the Buddha. It's possible to be a cell in the body of the Buddha. If uh, there is mindfulness, concentration, insight, and then you are a real cell of the body of the Buddha. And the practice can bring these elements in every cell. In fact, they are already there in each cell. The practice helps them to turn on. You don't have to look for Buddhahood outside. And that is the teaching of Mahayana Buddhism, represented by the Lotus Sutra. There is a Buddha within. You are a Buddha to be. The safest place, the surest place to find a Buddha is the human being. If you want to look for the the Buddha, look for him in yourself. And the Sangha, the Sangha is a community of practitioners. There is a Dharma body in the Sangha body. Because everyone in the Sangha knows how to breathe, how to sit, how to listen. That is why the living Dharma can be found in the Sangha. If the living Dharma is not there, it's not a true Sangha. It is a group of people, but it's not a Sangha. But if you notice that there is mindfulness, concentration, and insight generated by the Sangha, you know that the living Dharma is there. And when the living Dharma is there, you know that the real Buddha is also there. It's not a stone Buddha, but a real Buddha, because a Buddha is made of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. So the true, the true teaching, the true Dharma, 
the living Dharma is not the spoken Dharma. It's not the written Dharma. It is something that that, uh, radiates peace and joy. And when you walk mindfully, relaxing, touching Mother Earth with joy and peace, receiving the healing and transformation, you are the living Dharma. And we recognize the living Dharma. In the way you walk, you are generating mindfulness and peace. And that is why a real, a true Sangha carries within herself the true Dharma and the true Buddha. And that is why to help build a Sangha is a very noble thing to do. You make the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha available to many people, including yourself. And many people can take refuge. Sanghang Saranang Gachami, I take refuge in the Sangha. This is not a, a, a proclamation of faith. I take refuge in the Sangha is a practice. You have to belong to a Sangha. You have to profit from the collective energy of the Sangha. You have to help build a true Sangha. That is what means I take refuge in the Sangha. Not uh, a verbal uh, statement, but a real practice. I take refuge in the Buddha also. It's not a problem of, uh, uh, of faith. Statement of faith. I take refuge in Buddha means I know that I have the Buddha nature. And with my practice, I can help these uh, wonderful energies to manifest. That's true refuge. I take refuge in the Dharma. It means I can breathe, I can walk in such a way that the Dharma becomes a living Dharma and not just the spoken Dhamma or written Dhamma. I take refuge in the Sangha. It means I help with building a Sangha and improve the quality of practice of the Sangha, beginning with myself. So you are offering the world the best by building a Sangha. And we are a Sangha. We come together as a Sangha. And wherever we go, there is a Sangha to support us, to practice with us. In the last uh, few years, we have set up a Sangha for the young people called Wake Up. And they are very active. They are practicing as young people, Buddhist and non-Buddhist. And we hope that uh, one day we can bring this practice of peace enjoy into school, even public school, because uh, this practice can very well be uh, learned by anyone, 
Buddhists and non-Buddhists. And then there is a way to share the practice without using Buddhist terms. And that is a project of Plum Village. Train school teachers of every level so that they can bring the practice to the classroom so that uh, teachers and students will suffer less, will have better communication, and will advance more quickly on the task of teaching and uh, learning. And if you are a school teacher, please know that in the upper hamlet, we have a number of monastics who are, who are taking care of, uh, of, of that uh, global ethics, um, bringing, bringing this practice of peace and joy to school in order to help the children to suffer less and to go home and reconcile with their parents. And we are doing that in many countries, trying to bring this teaching in, uh, into school. One of our Dharma teachers is now in Bhutan. He's training school teachers there in order for the school teachers to, to, to transmit the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, so that the young people in the class can know how to handle anger, and fear and division and so on. So we have a physical body and that is not the only body we have. We have uh, a Buddha body in us the seeds of mindfulness, compassion, joy. We have uh, the Dharma body, which is our practice. We are making that practice uh, more and more solid every day. And we have the Sangha body. We belong to a group of people practicing peace, and joy and mindfulness. We, are, we have at least four bodies. Physical body, Buddha body, Dharma body, and Sangha body. Mindfulness is written like this in Chinese. Niam. It's a wonderful way of uh, expression. The upper part is Kim. Uh, it means the present moment. And the lower part is Tam. Uh, it means the mind. So the mind go back to the present moment and not to lose itself in the past and in the future. That is mindfulness. Mindfulness is generated with every step, every breath, every movement.
when I pick up my glass of tea, I choose to do it mindfully. When I do mindful movement, I will become aware of each movement. I am always there for me. And that energy of mindfulness generated allow me to, to be aware of what is going on into my body. Suppose I breathe in and become aware of my body, I might notice that there is some tension in my body. And I want to do something to release the tension. That is why when I breathe out, I allow the tension to be released. And that is done in the present moment. And uh, if you are mindful, you will notice that someone is not going well with your beloved one. And you try to do something or to be someone for him or for her, to help him or her suffer less. So mindfulness can be described as the energy that helps you to be in the here and the now so that you can handle the present moment. Because uh, the future is made only of one substance, the present moment. You worry about future. You are fearful about future. You want to prepare for the future. And you sacrifice the present moment for the sake of the future. But the fact is that the future is made only of the present. If we know how to handle the present moment the best way we can, if we know how to take care of the present moment the best way we can, we already have done everything we can do for the future. So the practice is to go home to the present and to take good care of the present. <coughs> Whatever you are doing, that's the most important thing. Whoever is in front of you, that is the most important person. And in that way, we handle the present moment uh, with mindfulness, with joy, with compassion. And that is about everything we can do to assure ourselves of a good future. Even when you plan for the future, you are making plans for the future. You don't lose yourself into the future. You are grounded in the present moment. And you bring the future home to the here and the now. And you do your planning there. So you are not forbidden to think of the future. You can make plans for the future with the condition that you are still grounded in the present moment. And you can study the future and making plans for the future always on the ground of the present moment. The idea is that not to lose ourselves into the energy of fear, uncertainty, uh, of uh, concerning the future. Dear friends, we shall um, have uh, 15 minutes to have a cup of tea. Enjoy a cup of tea, and then when we hear the sound of the bell, we will gather uh, in front of the dining hall and start uh, 
walking together. You will learn how to walk in such a way that freedom and peace and joy will be possible with every step. We can massage our feet with uh, compassion. <laughs>